and welcome to another edition of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I am Andy Bannister from the Solar Centre for Public Christianity, and I am joined uh, by Claire Williams. Claire, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me again. Oh, it's great to have you back uh, doing the co-hosting while uh, Christy Mayer, our usual co-host, is off doing something suitably PhD-related, I think. Now, you're in, you're normally a Londoner, but you're in Hampshire right now, I believe. Yes, I am. I moved out of London a little while ago. Um, yeah, but I'm with family now, so which is really quite nice. Oh, very good. And uh, yesterday was the hottest day of the year down uh, in this country for listening world. So it's amazing that all of us on this podcast are actually still alive. Uh, but we are joined we thank uh, God. by the always cool, always calm, always collected, John McKinnon. John, uh, how are you doing today? How are you doing, Andy and Claire? Great to be with you. Um, the, it was even warm in Scotland yesterday. That is... <laughs> That is so when I used to live in Dundee and it got to like 22, Dundonians like killed over. And you said it's like 29 in East Kilbride. We made Ooh. 29 yesterday. It was wow. glorious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, hit 30, we hit 38 here in Wiltshire and it was like, I it, It's a little bit different down here. It's an ill-divided country. <laughs> it is, it is. Now, John, you are, you've done various things over the years, but uh, that was the big two hats you wear. Director of Evangelism for The Word One to One and Passion for Life. Ministries that we're big fans of, but not everybody may know those ministries, or they may have heard of one of them and not the other one. So before we dive into uh, sort of more of the interview today, why don't you give people a bit the, the sort of view from 30,000 feet? What What is the word one-to-one? What is passion uh, for life? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the word one-to-one has a very, very simple aim. What we want to do is see the local church raise up and send out joyful Bible sharers. Uh, we just want to equip God's people to be confident in turning the pages of God's word with those that don't yet know Jesus. And so we, we seek just to put a great resource in their hand, uh, which is the word of God with some very helpful uh, accompanying notes that just let them walk through God's word uh, with somebody who's exploring or somebody who doesn't know Jesus and who wants to find out more about what Christians believe. And so that's really, uh, in essence, what the word one-to-one is all about. Uh, in terms of a passion for life, uh, a passion for life is a, a movement to really just uh, build confidence in the life of local churches, in the life of local believers, uh, to be confident in the gospel, confident in the word, confident in communicating and sharing the good news of Jesus with others. And so in that aspect, I did a lot of work with uh, church leaders. I've been a pastor myself for many years. And so I did a lot of work with uh, church leaders, an arm around the shoulder in just uh, working on the culture of evangelism, of mission locally, and also uh, in producing uh, personal evangelism training resources for everyday believers just to, to grow in confidence. And so that's been a, a big part of that. And really encouraged. The Passion for Life 2014 saw about 350 churches. Uh, 2022 saw over 850 churches uh, engaging in different ways. So it's it's been an encouraging time. Thank you so much for that, John. It's really interesting to hear your story about how you used to be a pastor um, for some <laughs> years. How did you kind of make that transition to, I guess, evangelist? And because you, you know, sometimes <laughs> the role of a pastor can be quite, quite local and really deeply committed to a certain group of people. And actually, the evangelist has this mm. itinerant focus. How did you manage that? Yeah, actually, to be honest, Claire, it's been a real sort of reverse engineering because I started life 
as mm-hmm. an itinerant evangelist, but probably mm-hmm. in the old-fashioned mould of proclamation evangelist out there, uh, when very often you felt all the responsibility was on you. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you preached the gospel and everyone had invited you to come and speak, and so uh, you almost felt as if the, the, the fruit of this, you know, uh, depended upon you. Uh, then you, you grew up a little bit in your faith and you understand the sovereignty of God more, and, uh, you know, you grow a lot in your faith. But, yeah, I was itinerant, uh, so for many years I, I worked on the, the street in the courts, I worked in the prison systems, uh, I worked in the gang culture, uh, and I was itinerant as an evangelist uh, amongst the schools and colleges. And so in, in a sense, what happened for myself was that latterly in that itinerant role, I was working a lot with church leaders okay. in how they can shape their strategy for, for reaching out into the community. Uh, and one of the things I felt there was that I had to... Uh, you know, get, go and, and be the, the lead pastor in a local church setting. And so we actually did that for 18 years. And wow. I felt as if I was doing an 18-year apprenticeship for what I'm doing <laughs> now, uh, you know, in terms of trying to equip churches throughout the mm. UK and Ireland. So it's been a, it's a fascinating journey. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have to say, one of the um, – I love – I mean, I love both those ministries, but what, Word One to One, one of the things I, I, I love, because we've also seen it work, like, so personally, my um, – my wife's got a good friend of, of hers back in back in Scotland who who would not profess any faith, um, and uh, sort of Astrid plucked up the, the courage to sort of see if she could invite her to do the word one to one, expecting a bit of a pushback. It was like stunned when her friend said, "Ash, I'd love to take a look at the Bible. I've, I've always wanted to. I've never had the chance. When can we start?" And and yeah. Astrid said she found it very it's a very accessible thing to do with her with her friend. And I guess yeah. pro- probably uh, that, that's quite a common story, right? I think it is. A, designed to be a surprisingly easy to use kind of resource right that almost anyone can 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 get their teeth into right very much so, Andy. I mean, I, I fell in love with the word one-to-one while I was still a pastor in a local church, you know, so I, I started to uh, encourage a number of our members to use it and uh, started to use it myself. And one of the things I found is it's so uh, applicable. Uh, it doesn't matter where a person's coming from, you know, the background, they can have no knowledge whatsoever or they could have quite a bit of knowledge. Uh, it's fascinating. I was, I was reading with a uh, person there for a little while, uh, similar age to myself. He would be early 60s, a little, you know, couple of years older than myself. And uh, when we were reading, you know, the first episode together, he said to me, you know, he said, John, why have I never looked at this in my life? And he said, I must be the only person that gets to this age of life and hasn't looked. And I was able to say to him, look, you're not on your own. There are mm-hmm. countless numbers of people. And yet it was at one level, it was such an easy ask. Uh, and so when we started and he said yes, and so when we started to do that, just wonderful to do that. And then I've also worked with folks coming from very different backgrounds, you know, quite uh, broken backgrounds, quite abusive backgrounds. And again, uh, just to encounter Jesus in the pages of God's word. So, yeah, very much so. And my, my journey with that began, you know, way before I ever started serving in the ministry. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the actual resource itself. So it's focused around John's Gospel, right? Um, I, I love John's Gospel. Um, why did you choose John? Why, why, why is it John's Gospel? Like, why, you know, I know that like, some you know, university students will like, use Mark's Gospel, Mark Uncover, you know, that kind of resource to do yeah, one-to-one right. covered, reading. Yeah. But what is it about John's Gospel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we always uh, say to folks there are many different ways in which you can read the Bible word one-to-one uh, with people. Uh, for the word one-to-one, uh, when it was birthed, it was John's Gospel that was used. Uh, and actual fact, uh, when it was first modelled, it was John's mm. Gospel that was used. Why I love using it 
is that it blows away any preconception people often have about Jesus. And so when you when you turn to the first episode, the first 18 verses, right. uh, one of the things that I always say in introduction is, is this is the eyewitness John's account. Mm. Uh, and I always say to folks, you know, that you might find it a little bit unusual. There's no baby Jesus, there's no manger, there's no angels, there's no stables, uh, but there's some pretty big concepts. And so yeah. don't be surprised if we take a little bit of unpacking. But the good news is we've got the word, we've got some notes, and we can talk <laughs> through that together. Uh, and so I kind of, it, it, I think John's gospel itself, I mean, I love John's gospel and sharing them with my faith. It's been one mm-hmm. of my go-tos. I actually get converted through somebody sharing John 10 with me. So John's oh. gospel has always been, you know, heartening yeah. for me. Uh, but it's working very, very well. Uh, incidentally, we, we often get asked, could you do the same for Mark or could you do the same for Luke? Or We've actually mm. just released the Acts of the Apostles because many people who mm. read right through John often say, what happens next? Uh, and so we get to the story of the early church and, uh, and the Acts of the Apostles. But yeah, I mean, John's gospel was just mm. where it was birthed. And, uh, mm. you know, we wouldn't say it's the only one you could do this from. You could yeah. do that from anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but it works so well. And I always say to folks who, sometimes folks who struggle to get confident in sharing their faith, and sometimes if you only ever read the first 18 verses, by the time you get to the end of the first 18 verses, you've been introduced to Jesus as the creator, you've been introduced as the one who is the source of everything, you've been introduced to the one who can give life in himself, you've been introduced to the one who, who you know, who declares that we can personally know God through him. You know, it's, so it's phenomenal in terms of the first 18 verses. And even if even if that was all an unbelieving friend read with you and they didn't continue to read John's gospel with you, you know, you, you can walk away from that knowing that you've shared a lot about your faith in Christ. Mm. I, um, I love the fact you've got acts coming now. And I guess if that, if that's a success and it keeps being a success in 10 years time, will be what word one to one Philemon edition or something as you just work your way through. John, one thing yeah. I found interesting and I'd love, love you perhaps to chat about this for a, uh, for a moment or two, I, I think one one um, stumbling block that Christians can sometimes have when it comes to evangelism is just not thinking our friends are going to be interested in the Bible and that there's going to be all this kind of baggage we have to deal with before we can even sit down with them and open the Bible. And I think as we saw personally with my wife's friend, actually sometimes that those those objections are more in the minds of the Christians than the non-Christians. I mean, yeah, some Christ- mm. non-Christians do have questions. Can I trust the Bible? And there's great apologetics on that. You know, Claire, I've just done stuff on that. I've done stuff on that. Every apologist, bread and butter, why trust the Bible? But for some people, that that's not an issue, right? They're, they're ready. And I wonder whether we sometimes put, make, make, it, we're so afraid that we miss the fact they're ready to go. So um, any sort of thoughts yeah. on that? Because I love the fact word one-to-one doesn't start with an apologetic. It just starts with <laughs> the Bible. And I no, say that it, as an apologist. It doesn't start. Yeah. I, 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 I love a lot of apologetics, uh, and I love, you know, many things that are produced in so many different, you know, areas. Uh, and I, I think the word one-to-one comes slightly differently because it, it doesn't start with that whole business of persuasion. It goes straight to proclamation, but it's actually just proclamation goes straight out of the, uh, the word of God. One of the things I keep saying to people about inviting their friends to look at God's word with them is never say their no for them. And too many of God's people, in actual fact, think, oh, no, 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 they'll say no. Uh, no, they'll say no. Uh, and I just keep saying to people, don't say a person's no for them. Uh, you know, just ask. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we, we hesitate to ask because we think the rejection is going to be rejection of us. Ultimately, it's not rejection of us. Mm. And at the end of the day, I just keep saying to folks, you know, if I was to simplify it, don't say them no for them. 
let them say no if they're going to say no. Hmm. <laughs> but but the, the counter to that is, is also true. It's remarkable how many times when you do say to a non-Christian that they actually turn around and say something like this. I'm thinking of a couple of examples. Uh, invited somebody to come and look at the first 18 verses with me, and they said to me, non-Christian, would you do that for me? Now, that's powerful. Mm. Would you do that for me? Would you actually just take time uh, to look at that? And, and I always say that a lot of God's people, as they start to do this, is just slow down as you read the Word of God. And, and what you start to do is you rediscover the wonder for yourself, because sometimes we start to speed read the Word. But when mm. you start reading with a non-Christian, <laughs> you slow down and you rediscover something of the wonder of the Word of God, and it's just it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine there's some element of personal discipleship that happens when you're going through that with uh, with a non-Christian, um, and yeah, it's, as you say, like rediscovering the word. Um, I just think I think it's amazing. I really do. Um, tell us a bit about um, a passion for life and specifically the life mission of 2022. Yeah, the, well, you know, passion for life was was interesting because we decided it, it was run 2010 2014. And initially, we were going to go sort of 2018. That didn't happen. And then, of course, we all went into lockdown, the pandemic and everything else, which actually was wonderful at one level for evangelism because people were asking some serious questions about their own mortality and everything else. But the big challenge was, would the church be ready, having navigated all the kind of you know strange places we found ourselves, uh, to sort of rally around mission? And we knew that was going to be quite a bit of a tough call. I, and probably, to be honest, there were there were some who managed, there were some who, who didn't. But there were two things we did with it which I think were helpful. One was that we, we still wanted to focus on a nationwide month of mission, and so we aimed for that sort of March, April 2022. But we also had the little strap line, a month of mission but a lifetime of evangelism. Yeah. And so, therefore, one of the joys of doing Life 22 was that that's, a, you know, that's something you can use right through the whole of the year. Uh, and so, for instance, even in my own church, we took the strap, you know, we, we took Life 22, we, we did all the personal evangelism training resources for using a number of them uh, because they were designed to be bespoke to whatever was helpful to the local context. And we just took four words. We just said, uh, you know, pray, host, invite, follow. And we unpacked those words for our people. Uh, and, mm. and that then equipped them, yes, to do some events that we were putting on, but it also equipped them personally just to be sharing Jesus in, in their own homes or using the mm. word one-to-one or, you know, articulating the gospel from one of the training videos they'd done or whatever else. So the whole design was really just to to grow and to build confidence in the gospel and the word of God and the desire to make Jesus known. And some of that began, understandably, right back with pre-evangelism, opening your eyes to the contacts God has given you. Uh, and beginning just to uh, develop those relationships. And, and also, I think, allowing people to understand that the whole of evangelism is constantly sowing and reaping. We never quite know whether we're sowing mm. or reaping at any point in time until we, uh, until we start to see what God is doing uh, with mm. our efforts, you know. So. Mm. Um, that's, that's brilliant. And as I say, I mean, our passion for life was, was such an exciting kind of series of events. I had the privilege of being in, involved in, in events around the country. And, um, but I wanted to pick up something, John, that you said a moment ago in the previous question I asked you, where you said about, you know, don't, don't, don't do, don't answer with a no for your unbelieving yeah. friend. I got this hunch that, um, one of the struggles, I think another of the struggles that we, that folks have is around that whole area. And I said, I'll just press into that a little bit further. And that's the whole question of how we invite, 
because the mm. built into all of these events, whether it's Passion for Life, Word One to One, you know, Alpha, Christianity Explored, all of those require Christian to actually do a little bit of inviting. And and some of the invites, yeah. some of them have a slightly bigger invite, some it's a lesser invite. But I think a lot of us are just afraid of inviting, right? We're just afraid <laughs> of that. I just love mm. to say a few things. Kind of about yeah, that. Yeah, how, can, sure. how can we how can we get more confident at the at the inviting part because as you say yeah well, that, we might get it thrown back it, in our face it, but we might not no I, I think it's good for us to acknowledge that all of us find it hard to invite hmm. uh, you know so I, I think that's helpful you know sometimes we we tune into lots of very helpful ministries who are encouraging us and equipping us and enabling us uh, but they, they they're not always there when we're making the invite and the invite's rejected, you know? And so I think it's, it's good, first of all, to acknowledge that none of us find this easy and it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. I, I think I always encourage folks when they're uh, beginning to think intentionally about inviting someone to something, whether it's something in the local church, whether it's to read the word one-to-one, uh, whether it's some, you know, key event. Or, uh, I always, you know, first of all, begin in prayer. Uh, you know, invitation comes much easier when we've been praying first. Uh, but I think one of the other things is it becomes much easier to invite people when we've been deepening the relationship we have with them. And so the reason we said pray, host, invite was that we really wanted to uh, actively encourage people to be hosting uh, non-Christian friends, you know, for, for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, you know, have them in their homes, let them see them uh, mm-hmm. for who they are, let them meet, you know, some of their weird and wacky Christian friends if need be, you know, but, uh, you know, just host them. The, the Christians have been very good at hospitality, but hospitality has normally been for entertainment mm-hmm. rather than for engagement. Uh, and so I think often I've found that a lot of God's people are really good at throwing barbecues and, you know, doing great meals and having their brothers and sisters in Christ around. And they can sit to the small hours, you know, encouraging one another and, you know, uh, just enjoying all that. And I say, try and capture some of that and think about it engaging, you know, the person that lives beside you, you know, the the, the person you work with, you know, just you, it, it's almost that thing. Stop trying to be interesting, but be interested in those, you know, that, that don't know Jesus uh, and just let them see you. You know, you don't have to be interesting in and of yourself, you know, just be interested in them. And and I think when we deepen the relationship, I think what happens there is that it becomes that little bit easier to invite. I think the hardest invites are the very, almost like the cold call invite, you know, yeah. uh, you know, when suddenly we've not mentioned anything to them and, hey, how do you fancy? You know, and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, uh, so I, I, I think sometimes it's deep in the relationship for me at the invite. But I think sometimes the other thing we need to do is just to think about what we're inviting them to and how we would go about that. And as we do that, be very natural. You know, be be very relaxed. So sometimes when when I'm inviting someone to look at the word, for instance, I've often maybe had a conversation with them. You know about. You know, they, they know I'm a Christian or they, they know I read the Bible daily and the, something might just come up. And I might just say to them gently, winsomely, you know, how much have you read? And it's interesting, particularly myself talking block to block, uh, how much have they read? Often they'll say, ah, you know, well, you know, well, I've heard a few people speaking about things. And, and I say, well, you know, just let me push back a little bit on that. How much have you read? And they'll say, well, yeah, 
when I think about it, I've not read much, you know. So, uh, and, and I think that's one of the great things about inviting somebody to read the Word of God is that often people have not read much, and we're not inviting them to hear our view of the Christian faith. We're not inviting them to, you know, hear us kind of give a three-point sermon, uh, you know. In actual fact, we're just inviting them to turn the pages uh, and to look at God's Word together. And so I think it's just to think about what you're going to say, how you're going to invite somebody. Uh, and I think that also applies to, you know, some event that we're running, just to think about the invitation, but to be quite intentional about it so that they do have an opportunity to say yes or no uh, and, and not to get all hung up when they say no. Uh, I don't hear somebody saying no to me is no, never, never, never. I, I only hear them is saying no, it's not yet for them. Uh, and look for the other, you know, the next person to ask, you know, so... <laughs> Um, so, John, I'm going to push you a little bit more on this one. So I think I, I feel personally really inspired and possibly even convicted, actually, to do more of the, the, the inviting and the hosting that you're talking about, um, to, to just read the Bible rather than just having some sort mm. of apologetic conversation, which, again, I love apologetics, as you know. But, um, OK, so what about the perspective of the person? What, what if the Christian might be thinking, like you say, doing the thinking for the non-Christian friend, thinking is it kind of disingenuous of me to trap someone in my house for 90 minutes to read the Bible? Like, am I inviting them into something where they're doing something again? Do you know what I mean? Like, am I kind of being shady about this to get them to read the Bible or to have, have them over for dinner and then, um, uh, you know, shove the gospel down their throat as well as, you know, the mm. roast lamb and, and the Yorkshire pudding. I don't, I don't, I just, I'm just thinking, cause I can, I can imagine some people are really quite nervous about being accused of that sort of thing. Mm. I, I think if the roast lamb and Yorkshire pudding is good, they're probably thrilled anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think it's not about being uh, disingenuous. I mean, I, mm. I don't think we ever tried to do anything through the back door. I, I think it's important yeah. to you to the front door. I think one of the great things about hosting is we're actually just inviting people to come and do life with us, to be involved in that and to see right. uh, that in us. I don't think we need to force anything. Uh, I think we just need to get to know each other and they, they start to see what motivates you, what what takes up so much you know time in your life. And then to be very intentional when it comes to the invitation. So if it is to read the Word of God, it's to say, well, you, you know I'm a Christian and you know that I'm committed okay, to that. Okay. Have you ever looked at the Word of God? Uh, and, you know, would you like to? Is that something you'd like to do? Uh, and, you know, because I'd love to spend time with you doing that. The other, the other thing is to uh, try and think about where you might meet and to make mm -hmm. sure that they're comfortable with that. You know, we always encourage folks when you're thinking about an invitation, you know, look to make that an environment they're comfortable in. You know, right. uh, one, one of the great joys of the Word One to One is the way in which we produced it in those little booklets, because, again, nobody's breaking out a big ESV study Bible and kind of, you know, whack, you, you come to sermon, you know. Uh, it, it, well, you know, I mean, it, 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 psychologically, it's, it, it, it's, you know, very acceptable, you know, to, to, yeah. to both parties, you know, uh, and it's a joy to be able to do that. So I, I think it's not about being disingenuous. I mean, I think mm. we want to invite people, you know, into homes to meet, you know, uh, you know, our loved ones to meet our friends you know to enjoy uh, that kind of you know table fellowship and that table fellowship always leads to conversations around the things that really matter in life and the right. thing that really matters in life for you is your living faith in Christ and it's mm -hmm. that that becomes the springboard for the little opportunity to say would you like to look at this or would you like to or if there was something coming up you're able to say you remember we had that conversation about mm. this got a friend of mine and they're going to be speaking about this. And you'll like this person because they're funny, they're witty, whatever else it might be. But they really know their stuff. 
and, yeah. and you just so it's sometimes thinking about the person uh, not this is not you know saying the no for them but thinking about the right context the right invitation for them you know sometimes it is just directly grappling with the word of god sometimes it is coming to hear someone who speaks very well on some issue subject mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it is uh, just inviting them to church i mean the, the number of believers that have lost confidence in inviting people to church mm. uh, and you know that we we should be confident in the churches that we're in uh, and the people that they're going to meet just to say mm. yeah do you want to come along and see church People sometimes say to me, say, you know, the building will fall down. You know, if I walk in and I say, look, it doesn't fall down. I'm there every week and it's not falling down yet, you know. Uh, so at the end of the day, sometimes you just have that kind of confidence. And it's amazing mm. how many times when people just ask one simple invite, you know, you want to come for lunch or do you want to come mm. to church, do you want to read the word, it just opens up an incredible door of opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is this has been great, John. Lots of really good practical wisdom there. And by the way, if anyone listening to this needs practice on hospitality, I'm sure that you know you could invite Claire or John or me to get them to try the roast lamb <laughs> and the Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll test the food for you before you invite those. Yeah, very, very specific. One of the interesting things is, and we need we need to leave it here, but I just leave listeners to think about this. I'm struck by we in recent months we keep coming back to this theme of hospitality from different voices, different people. There is really something. Yeah, and I mentioned it before on the on the show, but um, a really good book on this, Rosaria Butterfield's book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's a really mm. thoughtful book on just the import, the, the significance of hospitality, because um, it's very, very disarming um, when you have someone in for food. But um, John, thank you for bearing with us and uh, answering our questions and just sharing so much with us. Blessings on all that you're doing. And, oh, it's uh, been a real privilege. Thank you, show. guys. And uh, Claire and I will be back uh, in two weeks' time uh, with another guest. Whether we'll have roast lamb and Yorkshire puddings remains to be seen. (laughs) Whether we'll have melted another heat wave, who knows. But for now, we have been Pep Talk, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, See you again soon. Bye now.